Plumbing Marketing Profits Podcast. Interviews with Million Dollar Plus Plumbing and HVAC business owners on how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your business and discover what they are doing to keep their phone ringing, trucks running, and businesses booming. With your host, Josh Nelson. All right. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this special episode of the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Profits Podcast. Could not be more excited to have Al Levy with us today. He is one of the 25 most influential people, according to uh, one publication in the plumbing and HVAC space. Uh, he's written an amazing book called The Seven Power Contractor. Uh, he is the CEO of Zoom Drain Franchise. Um, I know him personally, and I've had the opportunity to spend time with him, not just on how, how his services impact plumbing and HVAC, but he's actually come to our business and helped us get our systems and procedures in place. And so I can speak from experience that he's a world-class expert at helping you really systematize your business, work more on getting it to work without you. And so I talk with so many plumbing and HVAC business owners about growth, about marketing, about scaling their business, and Al has a tremendous amount of insights on that topic as well. But what I find is they start to get these ideas, right? They start to, to get leads, they start to get calls, they start to grow, but they don't have the systems in place. So the phones necessarily aren't getting answered or they don't have the technicians in place. And so when this opportunity came up to have Al with us today to, to really talk about, you know, one of the things he's best at, which is systematization, uh, I thought it would just be really great for, for our listeners. So Al, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and uh, thanks for the testimonial. So here's what I'm taking away from that, Josh, is if I can help a SEO company, I think I can help a plumbing, heating, cooling company yeah. <laughs> take charge of their company, especially considering that's my background. Absolutely. I mean, it applies, it applies universally, but you have, you know, probably what, a hundred times more experience in what you've done and in what you know. And, um, and you've kind of outlined it so nicely in this in this book the seven power contractor but before we get there just kind of tell tell the tell the listeners a little bit about yourself your background and how you got to be where you are today uh, well I wasn't born a consultant <laughs> I was uh, I was raised on oil fuel oil for those who know in the Northeast uh, that's a way to heat your home and for those who are not in the Northeast propane so they deliver it you know burn it Delmore. That's really my family business. We were started in 1936 as a fuel oil company out of the New York area. I know my accent may not give it away, but I uh, used to live in New York City <laughs> instead of where I am today in Phoenix. I've been told that I've lost some of my New York accent by my New York brethren. So uh, I can always say New York if you need me to. The uh, reality is that, you know, um, our business was, was really doing well. Uh, again, third generation. Uh, my dad, my two older brothers, and I. But uh, we could see the handwriting on the wall. It was just, you know, every day was getting crazier and crazier as we grew the business. It was just a problem. And that's really kind of the, uh, the issue here. We just couldn't get control of what we needed to do. And that was really what was damaging for us. So ultimately, learning how to take control of the business, getting control and documenting our processes instead of every day, having to talk our way through, or better yet, put memos up. You know the memos I'm talking about. If I come to your shop, I bet there's one up in your kitchen that says, your mom doesn't live here. Clean up after yourself. <laughs> How well is it working? <laughs> I bet it's not working at 
all because it didn't work in my shop. I do have a true story that I bet all of you will relate to. Uh, my brother Richie and I were the last tech standing. Now that's 25 techs in a company, but you know how it goes. As an owner, we were the last ones, 2 a.m., standing in the office. And my brother would say to me, Richie would say, um, do you know what so-and-so did? You know, why don't we write a memo? And I was the only one who could type, so I would type the memo and hand it to him. He'd go, yeah, could you make it tougher? So then I would type it in caps, you know, big letters. So like I was yelling at you. And then finally, if we were really, really mad, here's what we did. We put it in color. And then <laughs> we felt great. It didn't change anything. The reason I found out, Josh, is because memos and talking are one-way communication. Who can you hold accountable to any of that? Mm. Uh, one day I made this awful mistake <laughs> of asking the company to bring in their memos. And I can only tell you the memos were critically important to my staff because they were crumpled up into a ball like they were sleeping on it so they could mm. kind of just go into their head when they were at bed. And they were six times had already been replaced. Memos do not work. Mm. Talking your way through your company does not work. I know I tried it. And if it worked, I never would have created operating manuals. I would never have systematized my business and never would have done any of it, Josh. Hmm. So, so that was one of your, your big challenges. And so what did you, what did you do from there? How did you start to make this transition from being the last man standing and feeling like none of the guys were, were doing what you needed them to do? Well, the truth of it is, is I blame them. And if you're busy in the blame game, it's easy, makes you feel good, but I never took any personal responsibility. And it was a book that was handed to me by my good friend, Ellen Rohr, great mm. consultant, Dan Hollihan, another great industry giant. And they said to me, you know what? Um, you need to read this book. Actually, Dan Hollihan was the one who was riding in my truck to a job and my beeper was going off and the phone was ringing and they're calling me on the two-way radio. This was obviously a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. and, my, and my friend looks at me and he says, you think that's normal, don't you? And I stopped for a second and I was angry, angry at them for doing this to me. And in the next breath, I said, look how important I am. I'm indispensable to this company. And that's when I fell into the trap. I recognized that I was the issue because I never documented these systems. I never created these things. I didn't give them the knowledge and the ability and empower them in a way that they could go out and perform. Mm. They were left to be my mind readers. And worse than that, they had to read my mind, Richie's mind, Marty's mind, and my dad. Good luck doing that. Yeah, for sure. So I just, what, what was the book that they handed you? I'm super curious. Yeah, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. Yep. Yeah. The e -Myth. And I will say it was a really excellent book, a big change for me. But if you haven't read it, or if you read it and you're wondering what this fits in, there are only, this is the recap. If you're always working in your business and never on it, nothing's going to change. And that was the whole thing for me. Finally, I knew what I needed to do. I knew why I needed to do it. And I got zero in the way of help about how to do it. But I figured if I knew the what and the why, I'm a pretty resourceful guy. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, I could do the how. And that's when I had to commit to what I knew was the first and most important thing, which was creating and documenting in writing the policies and procedures it takes to run our company. 
So that was one of the powers. Now, I, my family was a serial entrepreneurial family. We weren't just in you know, heating. And of course, we got into plumbing and air conditioning, as well as the heating business. We also owned a chain of liquor stores. We had multi-state real estate. Uh, we owned uh, a computer software company. Good hmm. luck with that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and we, so we understood what it took to run business. But for some reason, you know, it, it, it never really came until we formalized. It takes planning power, operating power, staffing power, selling power, sales coaching power, financial power, and one that you might like to know about, uh, Josh, marketing power. Yep. You got to be able, nobody had ever met, and I have been lucky enough to work coast to coast in Canada as well with some of the best contractors out there. I'm talking about the big ones that you read about in the paper and the magazines and they, they were phenomenal. I was lucky enough to work with them. And reality is none of them are a 10 of 10 of all of those, but you just can't be a zero. Mm. And of those powers, I believe the most important one is operating power, mm. which is creating the manuals that document what go on your business. Excellent. And, and really, that's what, that's what the seven power contractor is, right? You just listed off the top seven things that you have to be proficient at in order to really excel, right? Yes, and uh, before that locked into the seven powers, I'm betting a lot of the people viewing today is, you think there's gotta be a million things because if there were only seven things, I, I would have had it already by now. <laughs> and so, yeah, there aren't a million things you need to do. You have to master those seven powers. Now that will keep you busy for a very long time, mm. I agree because there's depth to it. There's a lot of things that you'll need to learn, but it really is those seven things. If you learn how to control those seven things and systematize your business along those seven lines, business can be fun and you do not have to take my word for any of this. Although I have lived it. Uh, people go to my success gallery on my website and they're gonna see people just like you who have testified to what the power of this is. Because mm. I, I know I know how we all are is what I'm saying. You're not, you're kind of believing. And, uh, but the reality is you want to hear from people just like you. And even though I was just like you, that is where the proof is. I, I know what a struggle it is. And I, and my heart goes out to you. It's not easy. And even if you're successful and you're making money, which is a good thing <laughs> not to be for granted, it can still be cruel and, and a difficult trade. Josh, there's a reason I picked the uh, run your contracting business with less stress and more success because for years and years I was making money, but it was killing me. I, I'm not kidding. It was killing me, the stress and everything else of trying to keep this whole thing afloat. It, I had a customer who called the great analogies. He had this great company, you know, making money. And I said, well, what do you need me for? He goes, well, I'm like a swan on the water. I look beautiful. My feet are growing crazy underneath mm. He says, and I need the systems to take control. And so that's very critical. Awesome. So, so just kind of to step back one step, you know, you shared some, some great stuff, the seven powers. So a lot of people have heard of Al Levy. They've seen your articles in the industry publications. Uh, they know of you. Kind of t tell us, so that, that business that you had in Long Island before you left, about how large an operation was it and how did you finally make that, that exit? Well, I was, um, our, our business had grown to probably about 18 million. We were, again, fuel oil delivery. We were 70 people strong, 25 technicians. 
all of which were allowed to call me up at any time at night, even though they had four of them on a shift, by the way, not on call. People who think on call, you know, where you're in your bed, you call a guy, wake him up. Nope. We had a seven to four, eight to five, 10 to seven, two to 11 p.m. and five to 2 a.m. shifts. Yeah. So we were the epitome of a true 24-7, 365 shop. Mm-hmm. But when your people operate with not enough information and not enough training, and that's what all of those powers are speaking to, they have to wake you up <laughs> because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to please you. They really are. I, I know this was hard. I, I remember the, the story I always share is that uh, I ran as one of my multiple jobs. My dad believed that I should never ask anybody to do anything I hadn't done myself. And when I was young, I didn't appreciate that. But by the time I got older, I understood the wisdom of it. Mm. And one of my jobs was install manager at one point in my career. And I had five crews to run every day. And one of them I had trained, the guy had been a pizza flipper. Because I had learned how to take people from no skills that were willing to willing people with skills versus trying to hire this skilled person and hoping they would be willing. And that is my friend, a bad rat trap thing that you're doing. I know from personal experience. So anyway, I send Bobby out to the field. I tell him before he leaves that, you know, I can't get there till two o'clock in the afternoon. Read over everything. You're clear about what you need to do for the heating system. He goes, yep. I show up at two o'clock, Josh, and I'm walking around the basement going, is this? I pulled him upstairs, took him out to the truck and I go, Bobby, this is nothing like what we talked about this morning. He goes, yeah, your brother Richie showed up and said, do it this way. And what I realized is we never had a way of doing anything. There were no fingerprints that you could tell. I've been out of my company since 2001, and I guarantee you, I could go back to a job today and pretty much know it was done by my company because we had a process for everything we do. This Mm -hmm. isn't just about text, by the way. It's how you answer the phone. It's how you dispatch the accounts receivable, accounts payable, getting the bills and invoices and all the stuff that you have to do. All of those require a manual mm. for them to be able to do what they do. So you were, you were able to kind of scale this company to 18 million, 70 people, but you and Richie were constantly putting out fires. You said you were working almost to, to death. And then you, you read the e-myth, you realized, wow, I have to be working on my business, not in the business. And that requires me to put systems and procedures in place. Of course, there was a big gap there. Like, what does that mean? How does that work? But you were able to then do it and and fully systematize to the place where years later, things are still getting done on a consistent basis without you or someone else, you know, having to be the the only person to do the work. I will tell you on a very selfish point of view is um, once the manual was created, here was my my life in that we did residential, we did commercial, and we did industrial. Industrial being these giant boilers you know, the size of a football field. And um, the only one who was trained was me and Richie. Even though we had people on till late at night, crew of four, somebody would go to that job and not know what they needed to do. So that meant if the job wasn't running, who do they have to call? Richie or Al? Mm-hmm. When I finally realized that we needed to document Richie and I about, you know, what it takes to get to the job, check the, uh, make sure there's fuel, make sure there's air, make sure there's spark before you call me, 50% of my wake up calls went away. Wow. 5-0, 50% of my wake up calls went away. 
and it was never them. It was always me. Mm. And even this fallacy of thinking, I'll get around to writing my policies and procedures. No, you won't. And if you did, you'd make it like a law book. And how do I know? Because that's what I tried to do. It isn't worth the paper that you write it on. And today, digital technology-wise, it isn't. We're not writers. We can't do it. I couldn't do it. I had to hire my friend who was a professional writer, Dan Hollihan, the industry writer. Mm. And I brought my team together and we met and talked about how each of us interact one another. And the reality is, is that it cost me in today's money $150,000. Wow. One five zero, of which we paid it off in two years mm. because of the decrease in callbacks and the increase in productivity on each of the calls that they ran and be able to ability to bring on new people, which we always had tons of calls. We were the lucky few, but we just couldn't get you know, enough people into the field. And without manuals, you can never really create and train. So the example I love to give is if I gave you, and you have all the calls because Josh is a phenomenal person at SEO. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And Dean, if Dean is listening, he's also great. And so <laughs> the reality is he can make your phone ring off the hook. Can you answer it? Can you answer it correctly? Can you dispatch correctly? Can your tech get to the job with all of the knowledge they need to run the call the right way? And even if they can, here's my question. So you're a plumber. If I gave you 10 highly qualified plumbers, could they all go out and do the toilet reset the same way you'd want? No, not until you've defined it in writing. And if you're an HVAC guy, could 10 of them, these highly trained techs, go out to a frozen air conditioning coil and all diagnose and service and sell that job the right way as it exists today? And the answer is probably not at any chance at all. So until you document that, you're always going to be in this situation. And that's why you can't really even focus on getting your phone to ring off the hook and handling it until you get this under control. Mm -hmm. So how, do, how does that happen? So let's talk logistically. You know, I, I, I run a million, $2 million a year plumbing and HVAC company. You know, I, I'm hearing you. I've probably read the E-Myth revisited a couple times myself. And I'm like, yeah, I know I need systems and procedures and manuals, but how, how does that actually happen in the real world? Well, you know, in my case, I mentioned I had to, uh, had to pay for it. You can, if you're a small company under a million and you don't have the money, you're, you're welcome to just, you know, write down in writing you know, what it is that you're doing while you're doing it. One page of manuals beats zero pages of manuals. And when I first started to write the manuals, they weren't just born into thin air. I spent one year at every position on the org chart at my company, documenting just the outline, not writing it, an outline of all of the things that we had to take account for. And the goal was to find 80% what we do all the time, not 100. Hmm. A lot of times what makes us great techs and owners is we're perfectionists. What kills us is we're perfectionists. <laughs> and if you're waiting to write the perfect manual, it will never get done. So whatever I have in writing and that you don't, I win. So even if you were small and you just wanted to write a couple of, you know, bullet points and stuff, that's great. It's not the same as a full operating manual. And if you hold an employer employee manual, I'm not saying it's worthless, but really what it is is a good CYA. You know what I mean by CYA? Mm. Cover your anatomy. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine that way, but it doesn't make your company better one bit. Actually, employer-employee manual is really one-tenth of all the operating manuals you need. Accounts receivable, accounts payables, CSR, dispatcher, apprentice, technician, what they do from the time they wake up till the time they go to bed, other than the work, and then all of the trades you do, plumbing, heating, cooling, and or electric. Or if you're a roofer or any of the other trades that you do, you need to have those manuals that cover 80% of what you do. That's really what makes a world of difference, Josh, and without those manuals documenting. Now, they're not big, long, giant procedures. It isn't like, oh, uh, I never did plumbing. Here's the book. Go get them. Right. The idea is that if, if you had five, ten, and if you're by the time you're a million, you're typically about five techs. You think you can talk your way through running five techs, and will you ever get better? There have always been the companies that I work with. Typically, they are good ownership who has been running their company by micromanaging it and talking their way through and doing what they can do, but they can't clone themselves, and they know it. So they have to create these systems is what I put in place for them when I do one-to-one work. And then there are the giant companies like I was describing before, that beautiful swan with the crazy feet underneath, Mm. that they need to put these systems in place. So the question is, or answer is, there's no company that doesn't benefit. If you ever had hopes of, you know, hub and spoking, which just means multiple shops, your block goes, your company goes across the street, it's already worse because there's no systems for it. Systems is what make a company run. And operating manuals is the number one power that you have to get control of. You get control of your company. So, so if I'm hearing you you're right, so really what you're saying is the way you make the transition from being, uh, you know, whatever size you are today, running more hours per day than you really can is to put systems and procedures in place for all of the areas in the company. How you answer the phones, how you dispatch the guys, what the guy does when he gets to the house how he closes the jobs, how you collect the work, uh, literally documenting all of that and making it a, a, a system um, so that your team knows what to do and they're not relying on coming to you to tell them every single step, every single time. Yeah, a lot of people think, well, a service manager will fix all that or an office manager will fix all that. The answer is no, they can't. They'll get outgrown. There can only be so much. What happens if they actually could and they go on vacation or they get sick or worse yet, they die. Mm. Your company is always at risk, always at risk until you create an organizational chart, have the boxes and the manuals that fit those organizational charts so that they're empowered to do 80% of what they need to do on a regular basis. And that's really, uh, you know, that leads into, I talk about staffing power. I solved the industry's number one problem, in my opinion, which is, uh, stop me if you heard this one, Josh, (laughs) I can't find enough good texts. Oh, yeah, every day. It's 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 massive problem. And you know what? I found this problem years ago. This is not new to me. Uh, solved this problem almost 25, 30 years ago. We had tried. My industry was, you know, the tech's average age was 50, 5 mm. And now that, you know, I'm up there, I can tell you, by the time you're 40, your knees, your back, all this stuff is beginning to hurt. Sure. There's a sweet spot for technicians. And so if you don't have a career path, versus just a job. You're never gonna be the employer of choice, one. Two, if you don't help me get up the ladder, it doesn't matter how pretty the boxes are in your org chart, because you're giving me a ladder that I can never climb. And I don't know how many of you enjoy the fact that knock, knock, five o'clock, 
Uh, we need to talk. Have you ever had that conversation? <laughs> you got a minute? I, I need to talk to you about something real quick here. Yeah, we all know what that's about. So I turned that on its ear. Um, I took the manuals. I created training curriculum off of those manuals, created a training center, and began to take young, willing people and providing the skills rather than spoiled veterans and hoping that they were pretty good. And that's why we, you know, we, we really solved that problem. And the proof of that, by the way, is Dean has been up to see with Zoom, our franchise. Mm-hmm. We have nothing but young, willing people who are out there just killing it. They're great at the three most important skills that a service tech has to have. Good communications, which leads to good sales, mm-hmm. good operational behavior, and good technical behavior. It's not one of the three. It's all three. The days of just fixing stuff is long gone. And even the new wave shops of just selling stuff, ultimately today that's going to bite you because people can go online. It used to be the old adage, you know, if you didn't like somebody, you'd tell 20 neighbors, well, I'm going to go online right now and tell the whole world of what you did here, Mm -hmm. you and your bad team. The stakes are even higher. Sure. Yeah, big. So so you're saying that the solve for this inability to find qualified technicians is rather than trying to fish for the guys that have been doing it for 30, 40 years, uh, start to hire guys that are young, have a good aptitude, and create a career path where they can say, okay, I'm going to learn the technical skills, I'm going to learn the customer service skills, and I'm going to have the ability to earn uh, a great income for my family. Uh, so yeah. take those young bucks and train them up as opposed to trying to take the you know, the veterans. And, yeah, and that, go, and that goes to the CSR position, the dispatcher position. Do we have time for me to t- share a quick story about CSR? Absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah, so, you know, uh, tell, stop me if you heard this one, Josh, but a lot of times we blame our marketing company for getting <laughs> calls. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, heard, I've heard a couple complaints. Oh, so, yeah, you've heard that once? Okay, just once, I'm sure. The reality <laughs> is we're, many times we're miserable at lead source tracking. There's a company I worked with and um, – they had eight CSRs, and their definition, not mine when I arrived, is they were all awful. And I'm not saying they weren't awful, but they were pretty awful. And the reality is they had no way of answering the phones. Nobody had ever said anything up for their CSRs about how to build sales momentum, which is what a CSR does. They're the happy hostess at a restaurant. They make you feel good for the choice that you came. They explain how the things are going to go. And off it is that they do. And that's what a CSR, that's the critical step. Um, of getting that handle and then the ability to get it to the dispatcher. Now, if they answer the phone and they hang up, they magically turn into a dispatcher, which is how do I maximize the day and getting the tech out? So I call that the triangle of communication, which is the CSR to dispatcher to tech and back. Mm-hmm. And that is where most companies are broken, which is why in my program, that's where I focus on first and foremost is fixing that broken triangle. The, the communication triangle. Mm-hmm. CSR to dispatcher, to tech, and back. Excellent. So, so I kind of, we're all convinced we need systems, we need procedures. Uh, the only way we're going to transition from having to work ourselves into the ground to actually make a good income and have things kind of work for us is to have a business that's systematized and that's done through having these, this org chart and the systems and procedures. Um, what are some tips, tips and tricks for putting that in place? Um, you know, yeah, and- it's a, that's a great point, Josh, which is I'd love to tell you it's the words on the page. Now, they're important. Or the words on your digital device, which is where most of the guys that I work with today have it. 
It's all about getting the buy-in. And buy-in comes from the beginning, not the end. So there's a process. So once the manuals are created, you need to get it back to the opinion leaders, get them to get their fingerprints on it without hijacking it and getting them to buy in and understand that this, until now, they're just being judged by your opinion. There's mm -hmm. no, it's what we call subjective-based versus objective-based. So in our case, that fellow I told you about that went out and ran that job, and I asked you why did he do, that, do it that way, and he said, my brother came along. Mm -hmm. Guess who was the biggest proponent of operating manuals? Bobby. <laughs> Bobby went around and here's the line that he said to everybody and everybody once the manuals are written. Do what's in the book, you're off the hook. Yeah. And it and I now just so we're clear, I was a New York City union shop. You think you have it hard where you are? <laughs> Let that wash over you for a minute. A New York City union shop. And they they when we got through the manuals, this thing about the buy-in process where they got to put their fingerprints on it but not mm -hmm. hijack it, yeah. and we agreed to the rules to play. I sat with the union rep and said, this has to go in the contract. And he goes, oh, no. And the union leaders came in and go, oh, yes, it protects us. This is our career path. This is what we want to do. You put it in there that this is how we play. Hmm. So, so the critical part is not just to write it down. You have to write it down, but you have to get the team involved and the team has to buy into it at some level. Uh, otherwise, yes. otherwise, you just wind up with a bunch of procedures that don't get done. And my friend Dan Hollihan knew the type that I am, you know, obsessive, compulsive, perfectionist. When I knew I needed to write the manuals, he looked at me and he goes, I know what you're going to do. He said, what do you think I'm going to do, Dan? He says, you're going to close the door, write the manuals, and come out like you have the Ten Commandments and go, here is the law. <laughs> Nobody's buying into that. So that was what his point was about the meetings, and that's where we learned a lot of these things. So, you know, in my program, one of the key things that it, it, it said it right out of the gate is these manuals, which took me forever and it was really hard and expensive and doing all of these things, they get at a fraction of the cost, which is great, but the words alone are not enough. Understanding the way and the process to get buy-in is really what you're after. And the meetings and how to run those meetings and they're in stages and such to get that buy-in. Staff is really anxious for this. And Josh, even you could speak to this when we worked on your manual. I don't know that you thought your own team would be get behind it. Yeah. But I'm betting they like the idea. They they all loved it. They like to know what what the expectations are, what the deliverables are. They want to know that we know what's supposed to be done and that they're going to be held to an objective standard instead of just, hey, you know, I'm in a good mood. I like you today. I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's such a critical point, which is, you know, I believed for years and years that my staff laid awake at night, figured out how they could ruin my day. <laughs> and what I found out when we started to talk to one another is they thought that I laid awake at night trying to figure out how to ruin their day. Mm. And what we came to realize is that we could either make each other's day or we could ruin each other's day. And that's a choice we make every day. Now, if we have systems and we'd agree to play by the same rules, the chances that either one of us have to ruin the day and who gets caught in this crossfire. Think about it. Your customers. There's no way they can be served the way they need to until you document your policies and procedures that it takes to run your company at all of the critical positions. 
people a lot of times go to a big company and what's the first question they say to me is, what should I have my managers do? And they go, nothing. <laughs> That's not the answer they want. I said, nothing until you create the manuals for the bottom. So if you think about building a pyramid, it's not the top block, it's the bottom blocks. And the better and stronger those bottom blocks are, the bigger, the wider, the stronger that pyramid can be. Mm. So the ability to fill in the AR, the accounts receivable, accounts payable, CSR, dispatcher, apprentice, technician, everything they do other than the work, and then your trades, you're able to take this further up because the manager's job, first, second, and third, is to hold those accountable beneath them to the manual they got trained on instead of trying to talk their way through or create memos or do any of the other stuff. Now, there are some other things that go to that, which is don't prove to me that you could write a really hard-ass manual, mm. a really tough one, because I'm not impressed. What are you willing to go to bat for? What's a, a discipline issue? So I talk about the four steps of discipline. Typically, the first one is a discussion, make a note. Nothing comes of it. It's dismissed. Second one would be possibly a formal write-up. Third one is suspension. Fourth, gone. Now, Josh, if you lie, cheat, or steal, <laughs> there aren't four steps. You're out. Done. But we're talking about things that are violations of the manual. And then you have to figure out there's a thing called fence testing. Have you heard that term? No, tell me about it. So a fence tester is kind of like an animal that just goes up to the fence to try and find the weak link. So mm. one day they show up with their shirt untucked. The next day they come in late. The next day they don't clean up the job. You're following where the pattern is here. They just find different areas to mess just up. Just see what they can get away with. Uh-huh, exactly. So how many of those offenses can they have in a given period of time? And this gets to the most important thing. All of us who woke up today are driven by the following. What's in it for me? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in what you want. I want to know what's in it for me. So what happens to me in a good way if I do what you say? And what happens in a bad way if I don't? And you tell me how that's any different than when we were kids. Yeah, really. It's not. It's not. And I'm not saying your staff is kids. I still think of myself as a kid. And that is, I'm motivated by stuff that excites me or I find it or good or whatever, and tell me what I get. And if I don't do that, no, whatever. So, yeah, I'd like to just eat pizza and ice cream if you left me to my own devices. The bad news is there's consequences to that. Yeah. So we all understand that, but we forget about that. You know, people who, my dad had a pretty good thing is people vote with their feet. That means every day your staff has chosen to put their feet in your doorway. Mm. What are you going to do? Are you going to empower them? Are you going to give them a career? Because I'm hoping you do. Not just for them, but for you. It's good for you. It's good for them and good for the number one important in this equation. Your customers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So so where, where do most contractors get stuck on this? Because I, I, I think... Pretty much anybody listening at this moment would say, yeah, I need systems. I need procedures. I don't want to have to you know, work 80 hours a week to keep up with this, it, it, you know, despite how much money I might be able to make. Um, and, and so there's, they might say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to write the manuals myself. Um, I'm going to try and put these systems and procedures in place. Uh, 
But so, so what are some of the pitfalls or some of the areas where people are getting stuck along these lines? Well, I, I have this program uh, called Build Your Operating Manuals, and uh, it was funny. Unbe I, I did not tell him this line, but one of the contractors came up to me and said, this just saved me thousands of hours and thousands of dollars. Hmm. Because he understood what they've been trying to do for 20 years is they just, you just don't have enough time to do it. And even if you had time to do it, can't do it right. I couldn't do it right. You need outside help to really do it well. And so if you're, you know, a size or a half and you are at the point where you have to invest the next truck you buy or the next, the power press you buy or the next Robin air, you know, uh, refrigerator reclaimer, that's not going to make a monstrous difference in your business. Creating systems is what's going to make a monstrous difference. Mm. And so that's really what you need to do, but you have to be committed to the process. And this goes back to what I had to learn too, which is working always in the business and never on the business. Nothing's going to change. Yep. You have to let go of writing the perfect manuals because they do not exist. You have to be willing to cover 80%. And if you cover 80% well enough, the 20 doesn't throw you, it won't. And so you have to commit to the three most important things in the universe, time, energy, and money. Money is the easiest one to create. Mm. You can borrow money, you can do a lot of different things to create money. Time is learning how to get your day back. And so that goes to scheduling and calendaring and empowering others. So you're gonna invest time to get your life back, which means time. The hardest one is where do you invest your energy? Mm. So I always talk about, <laughs> we have time for a quick story? Absolutely, please. So uh, my shop was located in an area that had gone urban renewal in New York, which just means it got plowed out, it was awful. Mm. We had to drive two miles in either direction to get to a restaurant. Talk about you know, staffing challenges, getting people in and out of that shop was difficult. Sure. Broke into our building so many times that we made the gates break away so they could strip cars. Finally, they drove a truck through the side of the building. And I said to my family, it's time to go. <laughs> so I found a new shop, which is why I'm so great at building shops and understand all these things. Found a shop, had this beautiful model shop area. We're doing all of these, these great things in terms of getting it set up to where we can really function. It's about taking charge and getting control of these things. So where you sit in your building is really determined by the operating manuals and the chart. So what chart and manuals that you have, the org chart, who has to be sitting next to who to be able to get control of it? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think we, we, we've created a compelling case that, not only do you need systems and procedures in order to go to the next level, in order to be able to get out of the, the rat race, so to speak, um, you need help, right? You need somebody that understands this process that can guide you through it. And, and so you've mentioned a couple times you have a program that, that helps plumbing and HVAC contractors with this. Kind of tell us what that program is and kind of what it consists of and how it works. For uh, plumbing, heating, cooling, and or electric companies, um, I have a program for companies that are a million or more in sales. Okay. It's not that it doesn't help companies that are smaller than that. The reason I targeted to be a million or more in sales, Josh, is because you have to be able to leave your business and come and work with me. You have to be able to not be in the field and work on the manuals. Or coming to the workshop is not what it is. A lot of people, this isn't a two-day workshop. 
it's a program. So the first thing is you get these manuals that cost me 150,000 in today's money at a fraction of that. Mm. You also get what I didn't have, which is me. <laughs> I was had the manuals, but I didn't have anybody giving me. So think about climbing a mountain. It'd be a good thing to have a trail guide, mm. <clears throat> somebody who could tell you where to stop and what you need to do. That's really helpful. So that's what this program is providing. You come to the two-day workshop and you learn the tips and the tricks about how to get it rolled out, how to get the buy-in, and more about all of the things that you need to know because again, it's more than the words in the page. The other thing is, I recognize that, you know, a lot of times I went to great programs all fired up, got home and go, oh, whatever happened to that? Well, I'll be calling you up because <clears throat> we're gonna be meeting. We're gonna be talking about your systems and your processes and making sure that you're getting these manuals rolled out. That's really the difference. So the, the, the accountability piece the pre-built manuals that have been made for the industry. And then of course the, the, the Sherpa to help help you implement based on experience navigating this terrain. Yes. And that is really kind of the thing, which is having the manuals written in a way that is plain English, not law book. Yeah. Having it cover the positions that are critical to your organization, the bottom of that pyramid, if you will, or what I call the base manuals learning how to edit them because they're 90 to 95% of what you need. And for anybody that's worked with me over the 15 years, they will attest to what I told them. And 90 to 95% of it stays exactly the way it is. And I have worked with some of the best plumbing, heating, cooling, electric shops in this country. And they know the same thing that I'm talking about. It's funny. I worked with uh, someone who's well known now in the industry as, uh, as somebody out there, you know, helping other companies get better. And when I was working at his company, one of the things he said to me one day, he goes, I finally get it now. I said, what do you get? He gets less done all the time, be spectacular once in a while. Mm. And the problem for most of us is that we want spectacular all the time. What I used to tell my staff is, <clears throat> I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. How about if we just make really good vanilla today? <laughs> if we do, we're going to kick the butt of every other person that's out there. I would love to tell you, you have to be phenomenal. The sad truth is you just have to be good all the time. Now, if you get to great, well, then you're just going to get to go and grow as whatever your heart's desire is for your company, for your staff and for yourself. Outstanding. So, so I, I want to continue talking about this, but for, for people that are interested in this program, they kind of meet that million dollar threshold where would they go to get more information? Where, where should we direct them to, to kind of learn more? The best thing is to go to my website, the number seven powercontractor.com forward slash BYOM. I know you have it uh, coming up on uh, one of our slides or in the, uh, the notes here, but that if you just go to my website, it'll see people just like yourself who have gone through this program already, what it's already doing for them and you'll learn more about the program. And if you are a million or more in sales, I highly encourage you to be one of the 10 companies uh, to come to this thing in November. But don't be deluded in thinking, oh, I can wait till November. It's not a workshop. The sooner you're in, the further you can be when you arrive and the further you'll be when you leave. Which is why uh, one of the people that took the class said that same thing about, you know, because they got down to work and they got the manual set up, when they came out of 
they were flying by the time they came out of workshop. Mm. That's why I already have people signed up for the workshop. So that is the best thing that you can do. Go to the website, learn more. If it's something that's appealing to you, and I think it is, you just need to fill out that free 30 minute, get on my schedule. I will show you my screen in a go to meeting so you can see what these manuals look like and be aware of more than what's the words on the page but all the other things that I can share with you about why this will begin the process of really taking control of your company. So if you're a fast grower, congratulations. It's time to put a foundation under it. If you've grown and worked really hard and you've run out of hours in a day, days in a, in a week, and weeks in a month like I did years ago, and you can't clone yourself, you need this program. This is where we begin. Yeah, and, and I, I really love the the offering for you know for, for a lot of the people we deal with, um, for for a lot of people that listen to this show, you have a, a you know tremendous opportunity to work with someone that has done this for themselves. So Al grew to eighteen million, systematized the whole business, and was able to step away, uh, and then spent several years consulting one to one, working with many of the most successful people that we all know in this space. Um, and help them go from where they were to millions of dollars completely systematized. Um, and now he's got kind of a, a turnkey system where he's got the manuals already written for the plumbing, HVAC, electrical, contracting space. Uh, and not only does he give you the manuals in this program, but he actually guides you through the process. So really a no-brainer in my mind if, if it's where you're at and where you're looking to go. Uh, it's at 7powercontractor.com slash B-Y-O-M. And um, any, any other insights or, you know, things you want to discuss before we wrap up today's call out? I just, you know, my heart goes out to you guys because I just know what it's like. And, and I just know, you know, the story that comes to mind is I, my daughter who was in like eighth grade and she went to see the, you know, whatever the, spoke to somebody in the office and she said, I wish I could see my dad more often. And my wife went ballistic because she knew I was the guy in the back of the room with the, you know, the camcorder taking video and no other dads were there. <laughs> and when I heard what she said, I understood what my daughter knew was I was there, but I was never there. I was there taking the video, but I was already thinking about the next job I had to go to or the next thing I had to do. I was never present. And it wasn't until I took control of my company that I could get my life back. And I'm so glad I did. Now I can't get the early years of my daughter's childhood back or any of the other things. And I, and I have a great relationship with both of them these days. And it was only because I learned to take control of the business. This isn't just about business. Mm -hmm. What we forget is business is to serve our lives, not the other way around. So getting control of your business is the best thing that you can do. And the better I got control of my company and the better big brother um, dad that I became at my own company, unbeknownst to me, I became a better dad at home. Weird, right? Weird. Uh, yeah, that, that's powerful. You know, it's, it's not about the money. It's about the business serving our lives and being there for, for our kids and accomplishing our, our dreams. So I think that's, that's a beautiful, a beautiful bow to put on this whole, whole conversation. Thank you. It, so it we, is what I feel. It's what's driven me. I'm in the blessed position of 
when I left my job in 2001, I didn't have to work anymore. Mm. Now I get paid for what I do, Josh. But I'm not out there for the money. I'm giving back because so many great people are in my life. Mentors in this industry have helped me. And it's my turn and it's what I've been doing. It's why I put my wide body in a narrow seat and fly <laughs> a couple of these years ago. Now it's your turn to come fly and be with me. Right. Right. So we've got we've still got a bunch of people with us watching this stream live, and I want to you know thank you guys. I see comments from Trevor and Helena, uh, Dustin, uh, Forrest, and so for any of you as we start to wrap this up, do you have any questions that you want to cover? You know we've got Al live. We've probably got another ten minutes left um, if if the questions are here. So put in the in the comments box or the the questions box any specific questions you might have for Al about systems, procedures, or any of the seven powers, and we'll, we'll kind of tackle some of these live if you guys, if you guys have them. So one question that I, I know comes up often, Al, um, I'm not seeing it in here just yet, we'll, we'll kind of give people a chance to type them in, but logistically, what, where do these manuals sit? Are they, are they printed out in literal binders? Do they sit um, in the cloud somewhere? I know this was something that I was really unclear about and you help to you know laser focus on how to get it done and just something as simple as that makes you feel like okay this is I know what to do right I know where to go from here yeah it in it, it is and had been always in paper in loose leaf for each you have just the manual that applies to you and at my company the more chapters the more manual you had the more of these individual ones you had so if you could do plumbing plumbing and heating, plumbing, heating, cooling, and now of course electric, the more you can do, the more you get paid, which goes up the salary levels, which minimize that five o'clock knock. And same thing goes in the office. If you can sit in the CSR and the dispatcher and possibly cross train for A&RP, which is what you're truly trying to do. is It's not just the boxes, it's creating depth at each position. So like a football team, if the center gets hurt, we don't stop playing the game. The next person comes in and can snap the ball. And most companies that I work with have no depth whatsoever. And you can never have depth if you don't have manuals and you don't have training on the manuals. You can't create the depth. That's really critical to taking control and reducing a level of stress that you probably know about but really weren't that conscious about. Because you always have to be aware of reducing a level of stress that you probably know about Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Forrest, Forrest says, man, this is valuable information. Thank you so much. Trevor loves the comment about fence testers. Um, Jason says, Al is your Sherpa. So awesome comments. Um, really appreciate you guys engaging here. Really appreciate the kind of some of the, the banter here on Facebook. Um, be sure if this sounds like a fit for you, to, to go check out seven power contractors slash BYOM. I've put it in the Facebook comment section. Uh, there you can learn more about the program, schedule one-on-one -on -one time with Al where he'll walk you through the program and really help you determine whether it's the right fit for you. Uh, any other insights, nuggets of wisdom you want to share with the folks that are still listening with us today, Al? Yeah, I, I, I took out my wallet to remind myself. Remember I told you about that went from that awful shop to that great model shop, you know, that we showcased and was featured in magazines. Mm -hmm. um, there was a bathroom with radiant heat, which at the time was pretty novel. And it was set up to be beautiful as, you know, what we could do. 
and they either leave the light on or they not put the fan on. And I found myself chasing people throughout the building, trying to figure out who the perpetrator was. And as I'm running through the building, it occurs to me is that every day I wake up, I only have so many emotional dollars in my wallet. Where am I going to spend it? Is running around my building the best place to spend that money? That emotional energy? Remember I said there's time, energy, and money? Mm -hmm. Energy is the most precious you have. And so what I realized in that moment, if I let go of it, the solution would come. And in a second, the idea that I had a, a switch that would automatically, when you walk in, the fan and light came on. And when you walk out, it timed itself out and both went out. And it was one of those. So you have to decide right now, where is the best way for you to spend your time, energy, and money? And I challenge you, if you don't have your operating manuals put together, that is a big leak in your time, energy, and money bathtub. Absolutely. Powerful stuff. Well, let, let's, let's, let's close the interview there. Al, thank you so much for, for your time, for sharing. I've got pages of notes from today's interview. Um, great insights. You know, be sure you know, to check out Al's book, The Seven Power Contractor. Phenomenal information here about really all of the seven keys to growing a highly successful plumbing, HVAC, electrical, home services business. Um, and if you'd like the opportunity to work with Al one-on-one -on -one and take advantage of his years of experience, you can go to sevenpowercontractor.com slash B-Y-O-M. And I'll have, you know, links to this in the, in the post somewhere. Um, and be sure to join us for, for future episodes of the Plumbing and HVAC Marketing Podcast. Uh, this episode was more on operations and procedures, but I just felt like it was so essential that you guys that are growing and they're implementing these strategies um, you know, start to think about systems and procedures so that you can grow into the business and not just generate more leads and more sales. Um, you know, post your comments. If you got value from this, if you get value from the other interviews, take a moment and go on either to the YouTube channel or to the iTunes uh, listing for the podcast. Post a comment for me. I, I get great personal satisfaction from hearing your feedback and getting that, that type of feedback up in the, in the iTunes and on YouTube. And um, Al, can't thank you enough. Why don't you say something to close us out today? Yeah, I think what, uh, based on what Josh was talking about is taking it back home. You know, the phone's got to ring and Josh can make that happen. My question is, can you do your part? Can your CSRs answer the phone right? And without the manuals, they can't. Can you dispatch right? Nope. Can you maximize every call? Can you build all the text? Because if he makes your phone ring off the hook, which he can, you have to be able to ramp up on your side. And those take the first step, get hold of these manuals and begin to understand the tie and you'll be in better shape. Fantastic. All right. Thanks again, Al. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode and uh, talk to you again soon.